Today, our gospel passage from Luke finds Jesus preaching to the large crowds that are traveling with him. And he starts to tell them what it will take to become a disciple. Jesus' list of do's and don'ts gets really specific and kind of harsh. Some of his requirements seem almost unreasonable. Jesus has this crowd in front of him, and he's gotten pretty popular. And he turns and tells them that in order to be a disciple, which of course everyone wants to be, they have to hate father, mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, and yes, even life itself. I'm sorry, what? When I first read this passage, I had to flip back and read some other sections just to refresh my memory about what Jesus has been teaching just a few chapters before. He had talked about inviting a homeless person to dinner, or giving away some extra clothes, or making do with fewer possessions. He talked about not trying to be the big shot. I am okay with not being the big shot, but hating my children, my parents, my life, what exactly is he asking? The word hate really jumps out at us, but what the Hebrew translates to more specifically is a type of loyalty, as opposed to an intense dislike. We need to be more loyal to Jesus than to our families. He needs to come first. But even that seems like a pretty hefty request. Now, this isn't the first time Jesus has asked someone to give up everything in order to follow him. The Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke all give a version of Andrew and Peter, as well as James and John, and how they are called by Jesus to leave their fishing nets and their families and to follow him. And we might recall the story of the rich young ruler who was told by Jesus to sell all that he has in order to achieve salvation. But in this instance, Jesus isn't talking to just one specific person. He's giving a sweeping command. He's talking to everyone. What can we make of this? The easy answer is to conclude that he didn't really mean it. <laughs> he was exaggerating. He was trying to get our attention. We might interpret the gospel as saying that as long as we come to church on Sundays, good job everybody, and maybe volunteer at our local charity, and try to fit Jesus into our busy lives, we can call that discipleship. We can be kind of part-time Christians. That is certainly one approach. I don't think it's a very good idea. Jesus was not really in the habit of leaving things open to interpretation. He wasn't a, really, a very wishy-washy kind of guy. He never did anything part-time. What Jesus is telling this crowd is that if they want to be his disciples, they have to be all in. There's a certain member of my household who has trouble sleeping and has been known on occasion to get up late at night and watch a little TV. And sometimes I wake up to the sounds of poker chips clinking, and I come out to see my resident insomniac watching poker stars. I admit, sometimes I join and watch those folks with their hats and their sunglasses sitting in some windowless room with their large or small piles of poker chips in front of them. And occasionally they'll draw a deep breath and push all their chips into the middle of the table and declare that they are all in. And from the looks of things, it seems that they are indeed taking some huge risk 
as they push all those little disks into the pot. This is it for them. They lose, they're out. I don't think this is the kind of all-in that Jesus is talking about. Sure, the poker player might be out of the tournament. He or she might be out of a decent amount of money. They might even be all-in for that moment. Jesus is talking about much bigger stakes. We know people who are all-in in other ways. Perhaps they're a serious athlete, devoting days, months, even years to training and competition. Perhaps they're a musician whose very life and livelihood depends on them playing an instrument with skill. People who devote themselves passionately to work, perhaps to the exclusion of other aspects of their lives, spouses, children, that's not an unfamiliar concept. We might even be one of those people. But I'm still not sure that this is the type of all-in that Jesus is talking about. Because those types of being all-in, those types of devotion or discipleship, they all have earthly goals. The poker player goes all-in so he can win big. The athlete wants that gold medal or the world record. The musician wants to please the audience. The workaholic wants to move up the corporate ladder and make the big bucks. They're all tangible rewards that we will receive and enjoy here on earth. Salvation. Salvation comes after and comes as a result of our relationship with God, our covenant with God. That covenant assumes complete and total loyalty to him and to his teachings. That covenant requires that God is first. It assumes, no, it demands that we are all in. Jesus wants us to be all in for reasons that we do not have the capacity to fully understand. He wants us to give up everything because we believe in him. But being all in for Jesus is a really big ask. But just as we know athletes and musicians and workaholics, we're familiar with people who are all in for Jesus. Think about all the saints who sacrificed everything, some of them their very lives, to follow in the footsteps of Christ. There are those who join religious orders and give up all their worldly possessions and take vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. They leave their families behind and perhaps forego marriage in order to live more fully into their Christian calling. They certainly aren't in it for the earthly reward, and they do indeed seem to be all in. But that still leaves us with the question of how we can be disciples. We're not all going to martyr ourselves or join a religious order. What is Jesus asking of us? What does being all in look like for us? We get a little guidance from our passage today. Jesus wants us to think about what it will take. What will it cost to be all in? He wants us to consider our strategies for accomplishing the task. He doesn't want us to start something we can't finish. He wants our discipleship to be a carefully considered, conscious decision, one that we can afford and are willing to undertake. Jesus gives us a couple of hints as to where we can start. One is traveling light. We've heard in other readings how Jesus tells his disciples to bring just one tunic and one pair of sandals. You can't be all in if you're weighed down by worldly possessions, after all. 
Now you may want to have more than one shirt and one pair of sandals in your closet. I know I do. But certainly we all have extra stuff that we could be put to better use by someone in need. You can bring it to the mouse for that big sale coming up in October. We'll make it easy for you. But physical possessions aren't the only things that weigh us down and clutter our lives. We need to examine our emotional possessions. What, can we, what work can we do to get rid of the grudges and hatred that hold us back? How can we eliminate the habits and behaviors that weaken our ability to be truly all in? What parts of our lives are creating a barrier between us and God? Discipleship is not a product. It is a process. There's no instant gratification. The costs are ongoing. There's no gold medal for crossing the finish line first. No cash bonus. So why do it? Why struggle so hard and sacrifice so much for something so difficult, so dangerous, so costly? The answer is simple. Discipleship is the way to build and strengthen our relationship with God. It is how we come to know him more fully. It is how we fill that void in our lives that money and gold medals and accomplishments and even our human relationships can never fill. Discipleship is how we experience God in a meaningful way in our lives. The good news is that because our relationship with God is personal and intimate, so too is our faith journey. We need to estimate the costs, that's true, but there are our own personal costs, taken at our own pace. What works for someone else may not work for us, and God is okay with that. God is patient. He will wait as we grow in our discipleship. He will forgive us when we make mistakes and give us another opportunity to do things the right way. All in doesn't mean all at once. Take some time this week to think about the cost of your discipleship. What plans can you make? What strategies can you form? What steps can you take to ensure that you are truly all in?